Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Evan Roberts, Pete Hoffman. A lot to talk about today. There are rumored plans for the opening day start for the New York Mets. We finally get the official word on Jose Quintana. Darren Ruff still sucks. Max Scherzer's got intriguing opinions about the World Baseball Classic. Pete Hoffman has a big idea on a guy the Mets should add. And somehow, some way, in a relevant way, we will talk about Aaron Rodgers and his relation to the New York Mets. That's right. That's all going to happen on today's Rico Bronya. That realignment discussion will eventually happen. It's probably going to happen over the weekend. I got to be honest with you. Eventually, we'll talk realignment. And we got a lot of cool things before opening day. We'll have an official prediction podcast. We'll have tons of predictions about the Mets season, Major League Baseball in general, specific stats for Mets players. We'll do Yankee versus Mets bets coming up. So we're, we're only a couple of weeks away. I mean, we're getting closer, man. We're two weeks away from opening day, which is just insane. So let's start there with the starting pitching plan, which is not a surprise. I think when... We had discussed Scherzer versus Verlander a while ago at the beginning of spring training when Buck was asked right at the gate on day one. He pretty much made it clear that he was going to split the baby on this and give one guy the true opening day start and the other guy the home opener start. Mike Puma reports that that is indeed the Mets' plan with Max Scherzer starting the season opener against Sandy Alcantara in Miami and Verlander getting the home start, which is the eighth game of the season. Because think about it, 
The Mets are playing four games against the Marlins and three games against Milwaukee with no off days. And they're in domes, so you don't have to worry about a rainout. I guess there could always be a, a dome issue that causes a postponement, but the plan is you're going to get the Mets playing seven consecutive days. And we got Scherzer in the season opener, Verlander in the home opener. Do you think, Pete, and by the way, I'm good with this. I think we're all good with this. Opening day is a symbolic thing. Do you think Scherzer got the season opener because they're afraid of Met fans booing him at City Field? Because I personally don't buy that, but I do want to bring it up as a possibility. There, there's one person uh, in the office, uh, Tommy Lugauer, who came with that notion. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what? Wh- no, not at all. And I'll tell you why. Because I understand, yes, the last, last sight we, the Mets fans saw, was Scherzer blowing up in the, the playoff game. But also, on the other hand, too, we're not that fickle. It's not, it's nothing, no, no disrespect to Scherzer, but if Verlander goes out on opening day at the home opener and gives up, five runs in the first two innings, he might get booed off too. I, oh, it's, yeah. It's just, it's just the level of respect. Mets fans are locked in, and we want to cheer, but we're also not going to cheer for having a terrible day. Well, and Verlander and Scherzer, and I think they know this, certainly Max knows it from last year, they're hired guns. And when you're a hired gun and you have a Hall of Fame resume, you come here with kind of the quicker booing trigger from Mets fans because we have no loyalty to you. You know, why would we be so loyal to Verlander or Scherzer? We're not. You know, Jacob deGrom got bombed on opening day. We're not necessarily going to boo him. I mean, we're not because the guy's career is as a Met. And I only use him as an example because I don't really have anyone else I could use in this Met rotation because the Met rotation is just filled with hired guns. I mean, if we're being honest. So you have to go back. Noah Syndergaard a few years ago when he started on opening day. Same thing. Like we weren't going to necessarily turn and boo on them. I don't believe, and I was saying this to Tommy Lugauer because he brought the same thing up to me. I don't believe that Met fans hate Max Scherzer by any stretch. I think a few weeks ago on the Rico, I was talking about how Met fans pretty much, you know, love everything he says. He says all those right, feisty things that people love. So I don't think it's a factor at all. I think it was squarely, and it makes sense. Give Max the true opening day start based on the fact that he's got that extra year of seniority with the Mets. But give Verlander that home start, that chance to get the standing ovation in front of the Met crowd. And it's going to be a second start. So to your point, if Verlander goes out in Milwaukee, actually it would be Miami, it'd be the third game of the season, and got bombed, maybe maybe he does get booed on opening day based on how he pitches. But it's a fine decision. My My hope is it happens. And the reason I say that is there's that nervousness of just getting guys through spring training healthy. Justin Verlander pitched on Wednesday and early in the game took a comeback or off of his leg. And I wasn't watching the game live, obviously. I'm not even sure it was on. T- Actually, it was on SNY, but I wasn't watching it live. I was consumed with Aaron Rodgers' Pat McAfee interview. But I heard about it. And I'm sure if I was watching it live, there'd be a scare of, oh, crap. We're going to lose Verlander now. And to Justin's credit, he stayed in the game. He pitched great. He, he looked, uh, at least from the box score, because, again, I didn't see the game. The pitching line looked great, if I'm being accurate. I can't say he looked great. I didn't watch him. His pitching line looked great, though. You know, five innings, a bunch of strikeouts, only one base hit. Uh, Looks like he's ready. Looks like he's ready to go. And with Verlander and Scherzer, it's just stay on the field. You know, just make those starts every five or six days. That's going to be the ultimate key. And I'm starting to get excited about 
seeing Justin Verlander pitch for the New York Mets because the guy's a Hall of Famer. The guy's an all-time great pitcher, and while I stand by, we have no loyalty towards him. You know, he hasn't done anything for us yet. I've always been a geek for the great starting pitcher. I've always loved watching great starting pitchers. I've always loved scoring games with dominant starting pitchers pitching great. And we are going to get at least a year of watching two guys that are going to go to the Hall of Fame in Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And hopefully we get to see a lot of greatness from them. There's no guarantee, but hopefully we do get a lot of greatness out of them. The Jose Quintana update was sort of what we feared, sort of what we expected. Uh, The way we got there was sort of strange, though, too. Obviously, Quintana had a scare because they noticed a legion on his rib. Luckily, everything's okay, and Jose is going to be fine. But early in the week, and it didn't come specifically from a Met reporter, I have to be honest. I was on, I think, RotoWire, which pretty much aggregates information. It's not like they're breaking news. They're taking information from someone else and saying, hey, here's the update on this guy. Here's the update on that guy. And this is the first I saw of it that Quintana had a chance to be ready for the start of the year. This is what I read. So I read this and I quickly say that makes no sense. There's no way Jose Quintana is going to be ready for the start of the year. So I click on the article and say, well, where'd this come from? Like, I don't believe this. So I see a Met reporter and I don't want to, I don't want to rip him because uh, it's an innocent mistake. And yeah, there's a quote from Buck Walter. That says he could be ready for the start of the year. And I'm thinking, what? He could be ready. So I see this. I'm now efforting to get the audio because I need to hear this from Buck Showalter. You're telling me Buck Showalter said to the Met media, Jose Quintana may be ready for the start of the year. And before I got to the audio, no, I got to the audio. I'm trying to remember this correctly because it was early in the week. I find the audio of Buck and it's not what he said. It's what he said, but not really. Basically, he was answering a question about, hey, there's a report that Quintana is going to be shut down for three months. And Buck said, look, I'm not, I haven't heard that. If you heard that elsewhere, I can't comment on it. Our hope is still, hey, maybe he's going to be ready. So it was one of those, I can't break this news. And we didn't know why. I think we now know why. Because there was a lot of concerns about this legion on his rib. And it makes complete sense. And they didn't want to say anything. They didn't want to say, hey, by the way, this guy may be having a cancer scare right now. Like, they didn't want to talk about it, and they're right. They they, they shouldn't have talked about it. They didn't. I got no issue with that. And I think sometimes when there's a delay, we as fans have to take a step back and say, maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's, like, a good reason, and we should just shut our mouths for a second. And so I thought Buck was just trying to give a, hey, you never know. Maybe he's ready. (laughs) Maybe he's good to go. And and unfortunately, that wasn't the case. The good news is Quintana's going to be okay. That's the most important thing. The bad news is from a baseball standpoint, he's going to be shut down for multiple months. And it's probably, Pete, worse than we thought. Because I think initially it was, hey, maybe we'll see him by June. Maybe we'll see him by July. If he's being shut down for three months and then starts a pitching program, a throwing program, August? Like, I think we're looking at a post-trade deadline kind of debut for Jose Quintana. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, no, that's disappointing because, like you said, like he was somebody that, not say we were relying upon, but his the end of last year specifically, you thought he'd be some sort of an asset, especially the one lefty in the starting rotation. Um, but again, this is where credit the Epler and everybody in the Mets organization. It's like they almost were preparing for this. They they had the depth. They didn't get crazy. They didn't trade anybody from starting, starting pitching away. Um, and we had guys like a Peterson and a McGill available to step up. And that that's kind of important. That You need eight, nine starting pitchers. You do. And, you know, right now, I think most of us lean towards David Peterson getting the fifth spot. We talked about it on the last Rico, but newsflash, they're going to need Tyler McGill, too. They're going to need Joey Lucchese. They're going to need LSR Hernandez. Like, they're going to go deep into their rotation, even if it's not just by the choice of giving Verlander and Scherzer extra days. It's just going to be necessary because that's just the way it is. So I, I feel bad for Jose Quintana. It sucks because... His track record had been as a guy that you can rely on every five or six days to make 30 starts a year for the majority of his major league career. And it's just a bad break. It's a terrible break. The the thing Buck did, though, that really annoys me, and I appreciate everybody that DM'd me and emailed the RicoB at gmail.com because anybody who knows me knows there are certain things I hate. There are certain things that when I hear, it makes me cringe. And Buck Showalter did something, Pete. He did something that makes me cringe. He was the one who said, and I quote, but we're going to get a great trade acquisition come August or July, whatever the date was. And I hear that. And I, well, first I see it. Then I hear it. And it's like, Buck, Bucky, Buck, Buck. What are we doing here, Buck? Really? We're going with the... It's going to be a great acquisition card. Don't we save that for July and August? Isn't that something we hold off on? Yeah, we hold off on that one. We don't need to whip it out right now. Like, we get it. Jose Quintana may be a nice addition in August, but it's not a trade acquisition. No, it's an injured player coming back. That's all it is. Don't play these semantic games with me. Uh, as far as the pitching is concerned, Tyler McGill looked dominant in his last start, which was nice to see. David Peterson returned to the mound after his injury scare off the comebacker. And McGill was saying something really interesting. Where McGill said he got great advice from Max Scherzer that he's saving velocity, that he's not going to come out pumping gas right out the gate. And it's smart. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if you could throw 98, 99 all the time. But Verlander is great with this too, by the way. I mean, I noticed this from Verlander for a decade that he'll throw 94, 95, 96, the whole thing. But that last pitch of the game that he throws, last second to last pitch of the game that he throws, he saved something in the tank. And that's how you were able to get through six or seven innings. So I, I hope it doesn't affect Tyler McGill's effectiveness because if you recall last year, he was great in April. And he was fantastic. He pitched really, really well. The final numbers of Tyler McGill are not fair to the way he pitched in April, but that's smart. Hopefully, it'll let him go deeper in the games that he's saving the velocity 
uh, for later. So he's not going to have to throw 97, 98. The other thing that may do, Pete, is keep him healthy. Because if you're exerting that much energy 85, 90 times a game because that's your pitch count, just naturally you think there's a greater risk of injury. So good advice from Max Scherzer. That's the veteran leader that he truly is. So obviously they've got the starting pitching depth right now, and it could get worse if there's more injuries. Knock on wood, there isn't. But Pete Hoffman has an idea. Pete Hoffman said, hey, Evan, maybe there's somebody they can add to their cachet of starting pitching depth. Would you like to present to the Rico audience your brilliant idea of who you want to add to the cavalcade of arms that the New York Mets have? Well, I'm not going to take full credit for it because I did see it somewhere like on SMY. But the thought was definitely <laughs> SNY. Well, not SNY TV, but like they wrote somebody somebody wrote an article about it. But right. I will say that I will say this. Watching this man pitch in the World Baseball Classic, there was no doubt in my mind that other people were thinking the same thing anyway, because he looked decent. And there's always that pulling your heartstring back of Mets history, Mets folklore, Matt Harvey. Now, I understand how it ended here. It was not great. Um, Was I happy to see him leave originally? Yeah, I I was kind of fed up with him. But going through the surgeries, going through the rough times, I did kind of always have in the back like a little bit of like, uh, I hope he can pull it through. And to see him now in the World Baseball Classic for Italy, pitching decent, I'm not saying he needs to be on the starting rotation and he needs to make this, you know, make the the 25 man roster, 26 man roster. But if there's a possibility to bring him in as minor league pitcher, minor league deal, Matt Harvey could definitely be a part of this team. If you have a guy like Tommy Hunter come back every every so often, there's no reason why you can't look at Matt Harvey and see if maybe he's got something. In the t- maybe figure something out. Yeah, there, there's two layers to this. Number one, I, I'm, I have no ill will towards Matt Harvey. I think enough time has gone by where I appreciate what he did for this team. You know, he left it all on the mound in game five of the 2015 World Series. It wasn't his fault. Now, quite frankly, that's on Terry Collins. That's not on Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey wanted to keep pitching. God bless him. He wanted to keep going out there. And, you know, his failures after that in 2016 and all the injuries that he had, the thoracic outlet syndrome, just not being the same guy, maybe it is related to the fact that coming off of Tommy John surgery, He left it all out there in 2015, and that's what we wanted because the Mets had a legitimate chance to win a World Series. So for all the criticisms I or anyone else may have had about Matt, that was a long time ago. It really was. And if Matt Harvey returned to an old-timer's day, he'd get a standing ovation, just like he got cheered when he came back as an Oriole a couple of years ago, which I was not surprised about that the Met fans reacted in a positive way to him. So I'm with you from a historical standpoint, I got no issue with Matt Harvey. It just comes down to, is he good? I watched highlights of his performance for Team Italy, and the thing that jumped out at me that's concerning is he just doesn't throw very hard. And in this day and age, I I wonder if you can consistently get major league hitters out throwing 88, 89, 90 miles an hour. And what's funny is with Harvey at the end, his velocity wasn't necessarily a problem when I saw him pitch. It was that pinpoint control that he had. His command was so good in 2013 and 2015. That was the difference to me. You know, just watching him. It wasn't like, oh, he's not throwing hard enough. It was 
command, command, command. So I haven't watched him enough. Has he gotten his command back in 2023 as a guy who's, you know, about to turn 34 years old? Probably not. But would I give him a, a ticket to AAA? Yeah, why not? I mean, he got nothing to lose. I think that he's down on the depth chart. I don't think he's passing Tyler Miguel or David Peterson, clearly. I don't think he's even passing Joey Lucchese or Elisar Hernandez. Could he uh, pass Jose Budo? Maybe. <laughs> it's possible. You know, you mentioned Tommy Hunter, so you're thinking more as a reliever. Okay. I- I'm not against it. I just think that we would need to temper our enthusiasm and not expect him to be the dark knight or some kind of conquering hero. He he is what he is, which is you're signing a 34-year-old to a minor league deal, and I don't think it's really reasonable to have too high expectations. Is that fair? Oh, extremely fair. And I don't think there's an expectation, especially with the surgery he had. I mean, you look at um, Steven Strasburg. Uh, he's having issues with it as well. Like, it, it's a common thing that when you had the TOS thoracic outlet surgery, it is just very difficult to come back from. I don't think he'll ever have accuracy again just because of that, The whatever, they were basically remove a rib. And yeah. I just I think you're just kind of feel unbalanced the whole time. It just it's not able to to be as effective as you once were. It sucks, man. It really does. Yeah, his legacy is it's strange. He really was a comet in the sky because he was so good, but it was such a short period of time. You know, from Tommy John surgery ending that magical 13 season. 15 was great. It, it unfortunately ended with the manager making a bad decision, and he was never the same. You know, you're really talking about. Two and a half years of very good to greatness from Matt Harvey, and that was it. So you want to add him for pitching depth, that's fine. 